Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. You see, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions. However, we often don't have enough time to get through all the live comments and questions that get sent in, but I want to make sure those comments and questions get answered in a timely fashion, so we gather them up and we address them here on companion videos. And I hope you guys are having a fabulous evening, wherever it is you are, whatever it is you're doing. So let's not waste any time and dive right into it, shall we? We're going to start getting caught up by picking it up with Jordan Lobo, who writes, did we get any update on the rumored Superman pitch that Henry Cavill made to Warner Brothers? I don't even th think that was real. Uh, we live in a world where Wonder Woman 84 was okay, and its next film is getting pushed forward. A Suicide Squad sequel slash reboot is happening, and a jobber version of Superman is getting his own TV show. Cavill has obviously become more popular since his last appearance as Superman, and we've seen how great his acting can be when he portrays a character he loves as a fan, uh, Geralt. I don't know what holds up is uh, I don't know what the holdup is and I'm about to go Wanda crazy. All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. All right. A, a couple of things. First of all, you know, uh, Suicide Squad got the green light because that's what James Gunn chose to do. Warner Brothers was going to let James Gunn do whatever it is he wanted to do. He wanted to do Suicide Squad. So that's why it's coming. Uh, why they're doing their jobber version of Superman on the CW, I have no idea. I can only hope they have different people in control of it now and they do a better job with it. On and on. But there's a couple of things. One, Henry Cavill's an actor. He's not a writer. He's not uh, a director. He's an actor. His job is to come in and to act in roles. And I love him as Superman. I love Henry Cavill as Superman. I mean, make no mistake about it. But when we're asking what's the holdup, the reality is the Wonder Woman movie, the first Wonder Woman movie, was a mind-blowing success for Warner Brothers. I mean, at the time, it was really the most successful thing they had done in the DCEU. It was that Wonder Woman movie. That was before Aquaman, at any rate. It was the most successful thing. So they did the sequel and they were already planning. They were going to do a third Wonder Woman movie no matter what. The reality is that the first Superman movie underperformed. It didn't do bad. The first Man of Steel didn't do bad. And you guys know it's in my top 10 favorite comic book films of all time. To me, it is the most underrated comic book movie of all time. To me, it's a brilliant masterpiece of the genre. But the reality is it did underperform at the box office. It didn't live up to its potential. And half the people hated it. I mean, to this day, whenever I talk about Man of Steel, I get flooded with, Man of Steel sucked, man. And that's fine. I think it's a brilliant masterpiece. A lot of other people say it sucks. So don't get me wrong. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not poo-pooing on Henry Cavill Superman, but if you want to ask about why are these other things happening and Superman is not, it's because they've done several runs with Superman, with Henry Cavill's Superman, and they have had underwhelming results. They had underwhelming results with Man of Steel, even though I think it's brilliant. They had underwhelming results with Batman versus Superman, even though I really like Batman versus Superman. They had underwhelming results with Justice League, and they probably will with the new one coming on HBO too. So, I mean, that's really the bottom line. And again, don't don't misunderstand me. I love as a, you can't see him. He's out of picture. I'm going to pause this for a second. Hold on one sec. Henry has wanted to come in and say hello. Say hello, Henry. Hello, everybody. There we go. Henry Cavill's here, and he wants to say hello. You know, I've got. I always got Henry around here somewhere overlooking and keeping everything safe around here. I'll put that back in just a second, actually. Let me move that out of the way. Okay, so you guys know I love Henry Cavill Superman, but if we're going to ask the question, if we're going to be objective, and we ask, 
Well, why haven't they greenlit another one? Well, because the reality is the numbers don't lie. They haven't had a lot of success with this Henry Cavill Superman. And yeah, he's a great actor. He's a great actor. But I mean, that's why. Listen, and the big thing here is, is not Henry Cavill's pitch. The key here is J.J. Abrams is going to do a Superman movie. And he may very well. I've had I've had some people tell me he's already picked Henry Cavill to continue on as Superman. I've heard some people say J.J. Abrams hasn't decided what to do with that. But uh, we're going to get a J.J. Abrams Superman movie. And I believe it will be with Henry Cavill again. So that's where I think we're at at any rate. But we will see. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Jordan. Let's all just hope we get to see more of Henry Cavill in the cape. Because his Superman to me is absolutely fantastic. But that's just me. All right, next up. Uh, Min Tran writes, one of two. Uh, you previously said that the CW may be thinking about re- uh, winding, rewinding down? No, just winding down the Arrowverse and, and the Flash. However, I was looking at the ratings on all the shows on the CW. Behind Walker, uh, the Flash is currently the biggest uh, overall rated show. That's not actually saying a lot with CW. Uh, in both the overall network rating and the 18 to 49 demo. I kind of don't see CW getting rid of the show unless the crew decides to end the show similar to Supernatural. Here's the thing, though. I give I give the CW Arrowverse another two seasons after this one. I give it another, I said that earlier on the show today. Give it another two years, because you know they're getting this new Superman, their Jobber Superman show going, and I hope it's awesome. I don't have a lot of faith in how CW handles Superman, but that is what it is. But I hope it's great. Um, and you know, today they also just announced that season seven won't be the. There was some speculation that season seven of the Flash would be the final season. That's not the case. They just renewed it for another one. So they're going to have one more. They might even have more after that. But I really do believe that after this year, I believe the CW-verse has two two years left. You just feel it winding down. Their shows are declining in popularity. They're canceling a lot of their shows. Supergirl's gone. Black Lightning's gone. Um, Arrow, actually, the, the granddaddy is gone. Batwoman has terrible ratings. You know, I just and Greg Berlanti has moved on to HBO Max, and HBO Max is the main thing. I really think you're going to start seeing, you know, anything that is successful on CW in the Arrowverse. I think you're going to see those in the next few years, but get moved over to uh, HBO Max. Much like some of the things that were on DC Universe got moved over to HBO Max. I think that's what's coming. I don't, I'm not saying it, I know that. I don't have any insider information. But yeah, I, I give it two more years, which means we could get another year or two or another two seasons even of uh arrow because we're going to get one more and i'm thinking maybe we could even get two but i just have a hard time believing it's going to go much more past two years but who knows maybe i'm wrong let's see where things go with that mintran all right next up uh loki the dino writes I know you have many theories on WandaVision. We all have many theories when it comes to WandaVision. Uh, But after the last episode, I feel like Wanda has reanimated Vision's body in order to keep the illusion that he's alive. Uh, Also, what have you enjoyed so far in the mountains? Well, I I mean, I love, Anne and I live in this, uh, we live in a new place. Actually, as a matter of fact, I just, five minutes before starting here, I put up a brand new picture that I just took like 15 minutes ago. I took this picture like 15 minutes ago. Let me see if I can bring it up here. Uh, This is a real picture. Uh, No, uh, let me see if I can get this right. Yep, there is no, uh, that's not the picture at all. Let me get the picture here. There is no color correction on this. There is no filter on this. This is Anne looking out at the sunset uh, over at the mountains over there. So yeah, really, really? 
really enjoying being here. I'm not going to lie. That is uh, a view we get every night. So I'm really, really enjoying that view. Okay. Anyway, getting back to the, I know I, I really don't think, and again, I don't know, this is my theory, but I don't think that's Vision's animated corpse. I don't think that's the case. I, I think he is a manifestation, but hey, listen, ask me again after episode five. I could totally, I'm not, I'm not sold on that, that it's absolutely not the real dead corpse. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. But I mean, episode five may totally change my mind. So we'll see. But yeah, so far, uh, Loki, very much enjoying the mountains. Thanks for asking. All right, next up. Uh, KP writes, Ninja found himself in hot water recently. The, the Twitch streamer, Ninja? Uh, for saying it's not his job to educate his audience about white privilege and racism, saying he just wants to entertain, and it's the job of parents and schools to teach that. What's your stance on this? I'm not. I'm not getting dragged into that. Nope. 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 Here's and mostly because of this. The, I I don't follow Ninja. I don't follow uh, uh, most of the Twitch gamers. I don't know about any of that stuff. For all I know, this is a much bigger issue, and. Just reading one, two, three, four, five, reading six lines, I'm sure is not giving me the full context. So since I don't really know what the full context of this particular situation was, I'm not going to wade into those kinds of waters. If I fully understand, if I fully understood this situation in this context and what it is that's being talked about, maybe then I'd give my kind of position on it. But since I don't actually know the full context, I don't want to say that, well, I think this only to find out there were 10 details about this particular circumstance that totally would make me have said something else. So uh, all due respect, but I'm not going to I'm not going to wade into that when I don't know what the full details are. It just would be irresponsible of me. So I'm not going to do that. But I appreciate you writing in KP. All right. Uh, next one up. KP also writes, can you explain when you say 2020 was an asterisk year in film? Really? I've explained it about 30 times, but okay. Uh, do you say this because you're a blockbuster film guy? I am not just a blockbuster film guy. That We mostly talk about a lot of blockbusters on this show because that's what everybody's familiar with. But um, And don't pay attention to indie films. I very much... Actually, I, I started and produced a whole show on indie. I started a whole division at AMC Theaters called AMC Indie. I Anyway. Anyway, or maybe you just haven't got a chance to see films like Sound of Metal. Uh, I have seen Sounds of Metal with Riz Ahmed. I have. I was, it's funny because I was just talking to another film pundit friend of mine, and we were, this movie came up. We were talking about, imagine trying to be a film pundit, but we, if you found out your eyes, if your, your eyesight was going, like, what would that do? I mean, you can still do a lot of things in, in life if you lose your sight, but if you're particularly, if you're a, a film critic of a visual medium like that would be. And that's the closest I could come to associating with what was going on. Anyway, not here to talk about that. Uh, Minari. I haven't seen Minari. Uh, the nest, the, uh, the Jude law one. Oh, that movie wasn't very good a anyway. So no, I've seen these movies, but for the 31st time, the reason I call 2020 an asterisk year, and I call it an asterisk year in relation to award season. All right. I don't just mean it's an asterisk year in general. What I basically mean, and I don't, maybe I didn't say this every single time I bring it up, but I have said this, is that what I mean by an asterisk year, I mean in terms of award season. Now, that's not to say that movies like The Sound of Metal or movies like Nomadland or others aren't great movies. Trial of the Chicago 7 is my favorite movie of the year. It's not to say that these aren't great movies. 
it's just that when you talk about Oscar season, you know what? Here's the best illustration. Let me use the Olympics as an example. I think the Olympics and the 100-meter dash, which is like the, the big primetime event of the Summer Olympics, the 100-meter dash, who's the fastest man in the world? So I think it's 32 competitors. I could be wrong of that. I think it's four initial heats of eight racers. I, I could be off on the numbers. Just go with me for a second, though. Let's assume it's 32 runners, right? 32 of the world's best compete every year at the Summer Olympics to see who is the fastest man alive. And no, it's not Barry Allen. Who is the fastest man alive? Now, let's say one year, and then you go through 32. To win that gold medal, you have to go through 32 of the other fastest men on the planet. Okay. Now let's say there's an Olympics, and there's only five racers eligible that year. Five. A lot of the best, a lot of the big, a lot of the more prominent sprinters weren't able to go that year for whatever reason. And so what you're left with is five racers, five excellent amongst the fastest people in the world racers, but a lot of their other competition, a lot of the other legitimate competition who could vie for that gold medal that year aren't there. And instead of 32 racers, you got five. I'm just pulling numbers out. I would argue then that you could have the race if you want, but you're going to have to put an asterisk beside the gold medal winner because, yeah, that gold medal winner is an exceptionally great fast man, maybe even the fastest person in the world. But the fact of the matter is that year, they didn't go through the real competition to find that out. So when I say 2020, I believe is an asterisk year for award season when it comes to movies is a lot of movies either A, didn't get exhibited this year and got bumped. B, got relegated to some kind of streaming service where they didn't get the attention they deserve and they didn't get all that other kind of stuff. But be it as it may, when we come to the Oscars this year, you're going to have, instead of a movie competing against 9,000 other eligible films to fight it out to try to get that Academy Award, this year it's going to be against significantly less number of eligible films. And that's the thing to me. It That's not to say that the films that are in competition aren't great and aren't fantastic. It's not even to suggest that maybe the film that wins this year wouldn't have won, even if everybody had there. But the thing is, we'll never know. We'll never know. It's an asterisk year. Just like I think with the gold medal runners, it, it would have to be an asterisk year. Just like a lot of sports historians you know, put asterisks beside some gold medalist names in years that some of the, some of the bigger countries boycotted the Olympics. And so that's why I think it's nothing to do with anything. Most years, my favorite films of the year or the ones that I pick at the uh, at the uh, at the Academy Awards uh, usually end up being, you know, like Moonlight and stuff like that end up being the films that I root for and stuff like that. But no, it's just it's an asterisk year because there is not when it comes to the competitive award season, because you simply don't have the same competitive field that you normally do every year. And you can agree or disagree with me on that. That's perfectly fine. But that's why I feel like I think the Oscars should just skip this year. Take all the films that are eligible this year and just make them also eligible for the next things. Because I would rather have an overabundance of competition than an underrepresentation of competition. And that's what we're going to get at the Academy Awards this year. There are going to be wonderful films that get honored, but the reality is you're always going to wonder, is that truly an Academy Award winning film when it only competed against X percentage of what normally it would be competing against?
And uh, that's why I think it should be bumped. But that's just my opinion. That's just how I see it. I know a lot of people disagree, and that's perfectly fine. But that's kind of my take on it. All right, next up. Murray Reich writes, uh, all secret meetings take place in, a, in the fancy room. I'm not quite sure what we're referring to, but that is generally true of most things. Secret meetings either happen by the shore, like on a wharf somewhere, or they take place in a fancy room. That's probably right. All right, Murray Reich also writes, do you remember that first time uh, we made love? It was so passionate. I accidentally cut off. Oh, that's uh, what we do in the shadows. I accidentally cut off your head. By the way, when when season three coming? I don't know. I don't know when season three of what we do in the shadows is coming. I love this show. What we do in the shadows is an excellent example of a beautiful surprise because I did not like the idea of them doing it as a show. I thought it was going to be a poor man's excuse of the movie uh, of Taika Waititi's what we do in the shadows. I thought the, the novelty of the jokes is going to wear out real fast of the scenario. It worked great in the movie, but would it stretch out over a series? I thought, no, nah, no, nah, it is one of my favorite shows on TV. I mean, it's one of those ones that Anne and I count down the days when we know the next episode of what we do in the shadows is coming out and oh, Guillermo. And we watch that thing. So damn, I love that show. That's great. It was so passionate. I accidentally cut off your head. All right. Next up, uh, Burt Wonderstone, the incredible Burt Wonderstone writes. Regarding yesterday's comment about the possible error in Wanda, error in WandaVision, Monica doesn't show up in WandaVision until after Wanda finds the helicopter. And I agree with you about the little things. I uh, haven't been that disappointed by a movie since The Monuments Men. Yeah, I, I haven't been that disappointed in the movie in a movie that I really thought had like real Oscar potential before I watched it since Gangster Squad with Ryan Gosling and Sean Penn and, and Josh Brolin and Emma Stone and... That movie should have been Oscar contender. It, it was terrible in my opinion. And the little things was, I was so stupid excited about that. Did not work. Now, regarding the Monica thing, doesn't show up in WandaVision until after Wanda finds the helicopter. It depends on how you look at it. But somebody else pointed out, made a very good point to me that just be, the, the helicopter that Wanda finds wasn't necessarily the one that Monica sent in. I'm like, oh, that, that was kind of an aha moment for me. It's like, you're right. That is a good point. Anyway, uh, but yes, the little things, I mean, you had three Oscar winners leading it and Denzel Washington, Jared Leto and uh, Rami Malek. I didn't even think Rami Malek, who's a, Rami's a great actor. He wasn't very good in this. Uh, Jared Leto was great. He actually just got a Golden Globe nomination for it. He, whatever. Uh, and Denzel is always Denzel. But the story was so anticlimactic and just, oh, what a bore fest. Anyway, next up, uh, A.V. Callie writes. Hey, John, have you ever seen the movie Children of Men? Oh, absolutely. With Clive Owen, absolutely. Michael Caine, uh, Julianne Moore, uh, even a young, a much younger, oh, crap. What's the name of the guy again who plays Jax in Sons of Anarchy? Uh, he makes an appearance in it too. Anyway, uh, have you ever seen the movie Children of Men? Very underrated film. I don't think it's underrated. I think everybody who's seen it knows it's fantastic. Um, it's about the world has become sterile and one man must protect the only born baby in years. Um it came out where he's protecting the, the pregnant mother. Yeah. It came out in 2006. It's on YouTube to rent. Uh, highly recommend. Oh, it's a great movie. It's this, this whole notion of there hasn't been a new baby born in the world in like, I don't know, 17 years or 16 years or something like that. And then somebody finds a pregnant girl and Clive Owen takes it. There's a great scene. Uh, it's funny because Robert and I were talking about this 
maybe a couple of weeks ago about these long tracking scenes, like these long one shot scenes. There's this incredible action, long one shot scene in children of men as he's trying to get out of a war zone. He's going down this, this half destroyed building outside and it's this one continuous long tracking shot and it's brilliant. And the whole movie it's utterly fantastic. So yes, Children of Men is fantastic. Jacanos uh, Romanos uh, tips in $20 who writes, thank you for supporting the channel on that level, man. Um, what is your definition of someone or something being pretentious? And do you think all or any award show is pretentious or just the Oscars? Just kidding about the Oscars. Well, I mean, the literal definition of pretentious, I think if you go and look it up, is like, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? exhibiting or projecting a higher level of importance than what you or that thing really are. You know, that's pretentious. You know, you're a six, but you walk around pretending you're a 10. That's kind of pretentious. Uh, so I believe if you go look up the definition, that's what it is. And I, you know, the Oscars are the most important night of entertainment. So I don't know how that can be pretentious. I think the Golden Globes are pretentious. I think the Broadcast Film Critic Awards are pretentious. I used to love those, but they've they've become completely wrapped up in themselves. At any rate, um, so there's that. Uh, but no, the Oscars, I mean, the Oscars are the pinnacle. It is what it is what every filmmaker dreams about. It it is the mount that the mountaintop, if you will. So yeah, there's that. Anyway, thanks for asking. Jacanos. I love that name. Jacanos. Is that real or made up? If it's real, it's awesome. Sounds Greek. All right. Next up. Um, an anonymous viewer writes, thank you for putting the big sick on my radar. I love that movie. Kamel Nagiani uh, on my radar. What an awesome movie. Uh, that nine 11 joke made me spit my milk out. So the big sick, um, is this absolutely unbelievable um, comedy, but it's also drama and it's a true story. It's Kumail Nagiani who's coming up in Eternals here pretty quick. He's going to be up, coming up in the Eternals. And it's basically his story about him and his wife, how they met and this traumatic event they went through where he almost lost her. And it's called The Big Sick. And it is in the midst of this terrible situation that they're going through, it is utterly hilarious and fantastic. And I'm not going to give the joke away, but Ray Romano, who plays the girl's dad and Kumail Nagiani are sitting together in the hospital because Kumail Nagiani's, you know, his love is in the hospital and her parents are there and they've never really talked before. And a nine 11 joke comes up and you're thinking a nine 11 joke. I, I had, I was gasping for air. I was laughing so hard and you're even right now, if you haven't seen, you're thinking a nine 11 joke, John, I, I'm just telling you, you've got to see it. It is absolutely hilarious. And I absolutely love it. And I'm so glad that you had a chance to watch an anonymous and I'm really, really glad that you enjoyed it. Yes. So guys go check it out. It's on Amazon, the big sick. Next up, uh, we've got uh, an anonymous viewer writes, uh, Grant Gustin and talks to renew his contract for season eight, and nine of flash uh, that may or may not go anywhere. Um, Superman and Lois getting multiple seasons due to HBO max funding. I believe that when I see it, uh, star girl picked up for a season two of the CW and many more seasons to come. Maybe Uh painkiller spinoff coming. 
maybe. Uh, Naomi and Wonder Girl shows in development. Lots of shows go in development and never happen. Uh, low ratings irrelevant to the CW due to streaming deals. No, they're still relevant. Uh, yeah, the Arrowverse is dead. Not listen again. I'm not saying the Arrowverse is dead, but I'm I'm just saying when I look at everything, you see that Greg Berlanti is now moving pretty much over to work on HBO Max. You see how slowly but surely Warner Brothers is shifting all of their major attention to HBO Max. You see the ratings on shows like all of them, even their number one show, Flash, but in particular shows like Batwoman getting miserable reviews. You got Supergirl leaving, Black Lightning leaving, all this kind of stuff. But but the key thing is HBO Max and Greg Berlanti moving. Again, I give it two years. Two years. And they may even come out with some new stuff in that time period. Absolutely. But I think we're going to have the season that's that's just getting started. And I think two more years after that, and then I think now, I, again, I don't have any insider information, but I think you'd be silly not to take that seriously when you actually look at the patterns that are happening here. And the patterns seem to indicate they're getting ready to wrap things up. That doesn't mean they're putting a, a nail in it right now. You know, they could give, you know, uh, Flash has got another season. They might even get another one after that. But. Again, I like I said on the show this morning, I give it two more years. And, you know, I might be right. I might be wrong. We'll see, whatever. But, yeah, you can't ignore these major shifts that have been happening and, and understand that this they, Arrowverse could be entering its swan song phase. And I think it is. But we'll see. We'll see. We'll find out for sure soon. All right, Ryan Loner, at least in the next, you know, year and a half, two years, we'll find out. All right, Ryan Loner writes, here's my big pie in the sky. WandaVision cameo idea. Ian McKellen. Uh, you don't even have to call him Magneto. Just say he's Wanda's father and the people who already know it will get it. I mean, that would be huge. That would be huge. Now, of course, here's the thing. Some people are saying it can't be Ian McKellen because at one point, Paul Bettany said that he's going to get to work with somebody that he's always wanted to work with. And of course, he's worked with Ian McKellen before. But that is assuming that the person Paul Bettany was talking about in an older interview and the cameo that Elizabeth Olsen is talking about, which just happened, are one and the same person. There's been nothing to indicate that Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen are talking about the same person. They could be two completely different characters they're talking about, right? So just because Paul Bettany has worked with Ian McKellen, that doesn't mean that that can't be the cameo Elizabeth Olsen's talking about because nobody ever said that Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen were talking about the same thing. I'm not saying they weren't talking about the same thing. I'm just saying there is nothing, nothing to indicate that they were talking about the same thing either. So it could go either way. We'll have to see. All right, next up, Ben Rayner writes, Hey, John, congrats on the place. Thank you so much. We're getting settled in. About Olsen's comments, I uh, don't know if it could be to uh, if it could be to Luke level, but two wild theories I have that could bring emotion. Ryan Reynolds is Deadpool. I mentioned that myself on the show this morning. Or Hugh Jackman. Having said that, they're not coming. They're that just would bring pop. No, you're absolutely right. Like I said on the show this morning, one of the people that I gave a theory for was um, was Deadpool. Actually, I'll bring up here's the list I made. Tony Stark, Thanos, Deadpool, Spider-Man, not Tom Holland, but Toby or Andrew, Toby McGuire or Andrew Garfield, and Magneto and or Professor X. Because Elizabeth Olsen said these are gonna this this cameo she implied, because the way she answered the question, could be Luke Skywalker level kind of oh my god moment, right? So like 
Quicksilver wouldn't be that. Um, Captain Marvel wouldn't be that. I mean, Captain Marvel would be cool. Quicksilver would be definitely cool. But it would would it be a cultural tectonic shift where everybody, like the whole world felt the rumble, like when Luke Skywalker showed up at the end of Mandalorian. That level thing. Is Captain Marvel, who's already a regular in the MCU, showing up to cameo? Is it Luke Skywalker level? Nah, I don't think so. Would Quicksilver, a rarely even known character to most people, showing up be a Luke Skywalker showing up level event? Nah, not really. So you get very, very limited options about who popping up could cause that sort of a reaction. That sort of a, of a disturbance in the force, if you will. And I think, you know, likely or unlikely, if Tony Stark were to show up, it would do it. If Thanos were to show up, that would do it. If Deadpool were to show up, even if it's very unlikely, I'm just saying, Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds showing up, that would do it. Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield showing up would get everybody talking. But if Magneto or Professor X showed up, that would get everybody talking. And I don't know that it's likely Kevin, Kevin Feige has said five years, but I mean, a Magneto or Professor X would fit that description. So I don't know. We'll have to, I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying that's, that's something you got to consider. Anyway, thanks for sending that in, Ben. All right. Next up, we've got uh, Chris West writes, Hey, John and Rob, Rob's obviously not here right now. I hope you guys are doing well. I am doing well. Thank you. Uh, I was reading reports about Ewan McGregor being more excited to play Obi-Wan in in his new miniseries. If successful, do you think Disney will either add more seasons or consider a movie? Thanks, guys. Well, here's the thing about that. Um, A lot of things happen. A lot of movies get made that were just intended to be one-shot movies. I think most movies are like usually considered and and meant to be one-shot movies. But money talks. And listen, if this Obi-Wan series comes out and people start talking Emmys about it and it exceeds the amount of buzz that Mandalorian got, then yeah, I don't care what anybody, I don't care what you McGregor, I don't care what Kathy Kennedy says about this is going to be a one-shot limited series, blah, blah, blah. That's cool. That may very well be their intention. But if it has that type of, and this is a huge if, like this is a giant, giant if, but if it's that successful, like gets more buzz and more talk than baby Yoda and Mandalorian and all, and gets awards nominated, blah, blah, blah. And, and brings in massive amounts of new subscribers to Disney plus and all that kind of stuff. If that all happens. And again, that's a massive, massive if, but if that were to happen, of course they're going to consider doing more seasons, probably more seasons instead of a movie. I think probably a movie's off the table, but you never know. But more seasons, absolutely they'll consider it. Because success, listen, winning cures everything. Success opens doors. And if it had that kind of level, now again, that's massive if. But, you know, it can absolutely happen. All right, next up, we've got uh, Dave XP who writes, I love The Big Short. We were just talking about that the other day because all the AMC stuff, great movie. Uh, so I tried to watch it with my girlfriend, but she was bored the whole time. Then I realized that the movie is mostly people talking for two hours, but man, I do enjoy the heck out of those dialogues. Yeah, listen, I there, another movie that reminds me a lot about that is the Colin Firth movie, King's Speech, which won Best Picture at the Academy Awards like 10 years ago. One of my all-time favorite movies. I love that film. But it really is, the best parts of the movie are when just these two guys sitting in a room talking. 
Every scene that is these two guys sitting in a room talking are my favorite parts of the movie. So yes, it's all very much narrative and, and, and dialogue driven for sure, but it's amazing. I mean, and that movie's that kind of movie is for everybody. A lot of people like the boom, pow, bang, explosions and action. And just, that's great. That's awesome. I love that stuff too, but not everybody appreciates the, the more kind of methodical dialogue driven, narrative driven sort of thing. And, but yeah, big short was definitely one of those and it's become even more relevant, obviously with all the GameStop, AMC, Blackberry thing that's been going on and, uh, still an amazing, amazing movie. Christian Bale, Steve Carell, Ryan Gosling. I mean, on and on and on. Margot Robbie has an incredible appearance in it as well. But if you haven't seen the big short, take Dave XP's uh, advice here take his recommendation and do check it out. I, I really think it's worth it. Even if Dave's girlfriend didn't like it, which is totally fine. Totally fine. All right. Next up, uh, Casey McNatt writes, Hey John, how are you today? I'm very good. Thank you, Casey. Uh, with the Super Bowl this Sunday, do you think we should expect any big trailers during the game this year? I know there was a rumor going around. There could be a Venom two trailer during the big game, but I don't know. Um, and uh, he put one of two again. Oh, dear. Casey put one of two several times. Uh, oh, no. He put it in on many, many, many times. Let me see. How many times has he put it in? Now, is this a glitch? Is this a glitch? Okay, there's two of two. Hopefully, that was just a glitch and Casey didn't actually submit that many times. Okay. Casey then writes... Um, uh, if that's true anymore, uh, other than that, do we really expect anything big from any other studio, like maybe a Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer? Maybe we could finally get a full Mortal Kombat trailer. Who knows? I don't think Mortal Kombat, because listen, they've, they've said they sold out the ad spots for Super Bowl. And this year, the ad spots are $5.5 million for one single 30-second spot. $5.5 million. For one 30-second spot. Crazy. I don't see Mortal Kombat doing that. I mean, it would be great if it is Mortal Kombat because, you know, heck, even I, who am like, everybody calm down. We shouldn't have trailers so far out. But even I'm starting to look at my watch and going, yeah, where's the Mortal Kombat trailer? We should be getting that soon. But I don't see Mortal Kombat being a big enough movie or having the type of budget to put up $5.5 of its marketing budget for one 30-second spot. So I don't think it'll be that. I also don't think Disney Plus is going to do a trailer for one particular property. I think if anything, we'll see, and I'm just guessing here, places like Disney Plus, HBO Max, Amazon Video, uh, that sort of thing, they may do a Disney Plus 30-second spot that'll highlight WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and maybe some other things as well, Loki. I could see them doing that, but I don't think they're going to spend $5.5 million just to promote one show. So, but besides that, I think we could still see some trailers, oddly enough, for some of the movies that had trailers play last year, but never got played, obviously, like James Bond. I could see them doing a James Bond trailer. Um, some, like, I think the high chances are the ones that already played at the Super Bowl last year, but then never came out and maybe play again this year. But we'll see. We'll see, Casey. But yeah, as far as the individual streamers go, I can see the individual streamers doing 30 second spots for their service overall, like a montage of different things coming for their service, but I don't really see them doing for anyone, but who knows? Maybe we will. Maybe we will. All right. Thanks for that, Casey. Uh, Casey McNatt also writes, uh, Hey John, did you recently just see the look of the Joker in the Snyder cut? Can't really tell much, but what are your thoughts? I think it's completely irrelevant. I really do. Now, listen, I said this in the show earlier today. 
Um, I, you guys, when the news first came out that Jared Leto was going to come back as joke for this, I said, that's a great move because whereas most people undervalue Jared Leto's Joker, I think Jared Leto's Joker is great. Not as good as Heath's Joker, not as good as Joaquin's Joker. I'm not saying that, but I thought he was really good in and of himself, a very different, unique kind of Joker. And I liked it a lot. And I think him coming back is great. And I think Zack Snyder's decision to bring him back is awesome. That being said. I don't know why anybody gets excited about that picture. You don't actually see anything. You you, you see the card. That's all you see. The thing, the picture's blurred out and everything. So it's, while I am excited for Jared Leto to come as Joker, and I, I fully endorse Snyder's decision to do that, uh, I didn't see anything to get excited or worth talking about. It's a super blurry image. It doesn't actually show anything. So not really anything to talk about. So that's my thoughts on that, Casey. All right, next up. Campia's adopted son writes, congrats on the house. Thank you so much. Uh, you both deserve it. And thank you for allowing all of us to have an outlet nerd out with you. So apparently Olsen said that there is an appearance in WandaVision equal to Luke and Mandalorian. Any guesses? Well, that was an entire topic of today's show. We talked about that. But again, let me emphasize something here. It's not that she said that um, let me see if I still have it here. Let me see if I can bring it up. Yeah, let, let's let's look at this for a second. Because it's important to note here, she didn't come out and say, you know, we have a cameo in WandaVision this year that's on the same level of Luke Skywalker. It was the way that the person from TV line asked the question. You know, the t- person from TV line said, hey, you know, Mandalorian, that other Disney Plus show, had this big Luke Skywalker cameo surprise does wandavision have anything like that in store and she just said yes like here's what what uh, uh here's what she actually said okay olsen hints to tv line another mcu vet could be making a visit to westview uh, one that fans have not already heard about back in december fellow disney plus series the mandalorian stunned viewers with mark hamill's appearance as luke skywalker which had shockingly remained a secret until season two finale aired when asked remember she didn't offer this she was asked this when asked if WandaVision has anything similar in store, namely a casting that she can't believe hasn't leaked yet, Olsen gave a quick yes. And though she dared not offer any specifics, she did she did share with a laugh that I'm really excited for the viewers to see what or who is coming. Okay, so again, we got to keep that in mind, right? It was the interviewer who brought up Luke Skywalker level stuff, and she just said yes. So... How much does that really mean? I'm not sure. We'll take it at face value for now. But again, we spent most of the morning today talking about what I think that means. We we brought up the list of uh, what I think that means. You know, I think it either means Tony Stark, Thanos, Deadpool, Spider-Man, Toby, or Andrew, and Magneto, Professor X. Could be many other people. And again, maybe she totally misspoke. Like, if it's Quicksilver, eh, who cares? I mean, you know, Quicksilver would be cool. That's cool. Quicksilver is cool. But is that a Luke Skywalker appearance level thing? No, nobody would think that. So I don't know. Maybe she misspoke. Maybe she, you know, overplayed it a little bit. Maybe it will be some smaller name. I don't know. But, you know, I'm excited to find out. I cannot wait for episode five. Thanks for writing that in. All right. Next up, uh, Toby Ingram writes, hey, John, I started watching the morning show and it's an incredible series. I was so surprised by how good that series is. I had no intention of watching it or anything else on Apple TV Plus. And then I kept hearing how good Morning Show was. And obviously, Steve Carell's there. And so I'm going to check it out. Loved it. It's incredible. Anyway, 
Um, the casting is top notch. I've been looking on Apple TV and to my surprise, they don't have great sci-fi content. They actually kind of do. Do you think they would ever produce something like a star Wars? I mean, I mean, I don't know. I mean, ever, whenever you ask the question that says ever would ever, then the answer is always yes. Whenever the question has the word could or the word ever, the answer is always yes, they could, but they have a show called for all mankind, which is, I mean, it's sort of sci-fi and it's sort of not. It's alternate reality, so it's kind of sci-fi, even though the science in it is is actually stuff that happened. But I, because it's alternate reality kind of stuff, I call it sci-fi. But maybe I shouldn't. I don't know. But yes, they will do, Apple TV Plus will do all types of creative programming and all that kind of stuff. So I think we're going to see, in the next five years, we're going to see Apple TV Plus doing every type of genre that we can imagine. So something along the lines of maybe not something along the lines of a Star Wars, but something along the lines of The Expanse, right? You know, Amazon's The Expanse, which just had its season finale, which was great. Um, I could see them doing that. They're going to have every kind of genre there, Toby. That's what I think at any rate. Anyway, the Apple TV Plus ended up being better than I thought. Like I said, uh, uh, Morning Show was really, really good. For All Mankind is really, really good. So they're, they're kind of ahead of the game right now. I'm kind of impressed with them so far. Not that everything they put up is great. Like they put up that Tom Hanks movie, that World War One or World War Two naval. I think it's the World War Two naval thing. Quite a snooze fest, to be honest. I didn't like that movie at all. I wanted to. I didn't like it. Also, no, it was. I think HBO Max. Who just had? Who was just streaming News of the World? I can't remember. Hold a second. Uh, who? Oh, sorry. Where to watch News of the World? Is that an HBO thing? I just watched it and I can't remember where it is. Um, I guess we bought it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's not on one of the free streamers. So we watched it on Prime. Uh, another disappointing one. That's two straight to streaming Tom Hanks movies that I have not liked, which is really weird. Anyway, uh, thanks for writing that in, Toby. Next up, uh, Connor William writes, okay, WandaVision theory. Wu's missing person is playing Vision. Uh, this in a way will introduce wonder man in the comics. There is a story visions consciousness in Simon Williams, AKA wonder man. Mm, I don't think so. Again, right now, I think Wu's missing informant is completely irrelevant. I think that was simply a plot device that say, like, wait a minute. Why, why did the FBI show up to Westview in the first place? They needed a plot device. Uh, I don't know. Let, let's say there's a dude in witness protection and he didn't check in. And so FBI agent, you know, Wu goes to check it out. And that's what, I, honestly, I don't think it's anything more than that. I Again, I don't know that. That's just my fan theory. Maybe the missing, you know, witness protection person becomes a very, very big deal. Right now, I, I still kind of believe, Connor, that it's absolute. As a matter of fact, I wouldn't doubt if it's never even mentioned again in the rest of the show. I wouldn't be surprised if the uh, missing, well, now they know why he's missing because of what's going on Westfield. But prior to them discovering what's going on Westfield, the missing uh, uh, witness protection person is probably never even going to be mentioned again. That's my guess. I mean, totally could. They could mention him in episode five for all I know. But for right now, my guess, pure speculation guess, is that this missing uh, witness protection person is never even mentioned again. We'll find out. We'll find out soon enough. All right, next up. I cannot wait for episode five. Next one up. Israel King writes, 
I like the new side anger cam- camera. Thank you for so much. Is it just me or is John looking kind of swole? Anyways, uh, congrats on the move. And you have my blessing to plug the documentary, John. Plug the doc. Plug the doc. All right. I will take your advice and I will plug the doc. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who may not know, I do have a documentary out called Movie Trailers, A Love Story. It is a documentary about, obviously, movie trailers, the creation of movie trailers, the evolution of movie trailers, the importance of movie trailers, how movie trailers came about, their their key hallmarks along the way, why they're important today, the controversies surrounding them today. All that kind of stuff is in this documentary. If you're a film fan, you should check it out. It is now available online to view from anywhere in the world that you are, simply over on www.vimeo.com slash on-demand slash movie trailers. Uh, that's available everywhere. But if you happen to live in the U.S. or the U.K., you also have the option of checking it out on Amazon. So if you're in the U.S. or the U.K., you can simply go to Amazon and search for movie trailers, a love story, And you should be able to find it there. And uh, thank you again, man, for giving me an opportunity to plug my thing. And yeah, I like the side cam review. I really do. I I enjoy it very much. So I think it's working out well. Thank you for that, Israel King. Okay, next up. Uh, Corey writes, I know you're tired of talking about the snap. That's all right. I I love talking MCU. Doesn't matter. Uh, What about the pilots that was flying and got snapped or parents driving with little Timmy back and got snapped? Did they crash? Uh, love your show, been a fan for years, and watch every video. Yeah, they crashed. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I think we saw at the end of, um, what was it, the end of Endgame? I think it was Endgame. No, it was at the end of Infinity War. We've got, um, I think it was the end of Infinity War, that we saw uh, Maria Hill and Nick Fury, right, in the street, and, every, and that's where Nick Fury snapped before he called Captain Marvel, Right. Right? Is that where it happened? Or was it before? I, I can't remember where it happened. But at any rate. And one of the things they saw was looking at the sky. And like, wasn't it a helicopter that was spinning out of control, crashed into a building? Clearly, the pilot was gone. When the snap happened, I'm sure there was a lot of situations where drivers in their cars suddenly disappeared. And their car, they were driving down the highway at 65 miles per hour probably veered off and crashed in another car, killed other bystanders and killed other people. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think that happened and that happened a lot. I think that was part of it, Corey. So it's, it's grim, but then again, so is the whole concept of some purple skin dude snapping his fingers and wiping out half of life in the universe. That's pretty grim too, but yeah, that was one of the grim ramifications. All right, next up, Philip Corvelli writes, Hey, John and Rob. So I recently uh, watched Big Hero 6. I love Big Hero 6 and was surprised how much I enjoyed it. My favorite scene is when Baymax goes from cute and cuddly to emotionless murder robot. Anyway, have a great day. I absolutely love uh, Big Hero 6. I think it's great. As a matter of fact, uh, let me see if I can bring it up here. Give me one second. Uh, Big Hero 6. Okay, so... As a matter of fact, I don't think I have the uh, the pictures available, but I remember I had the cast come into my studio and I got to talk to them about it. And um, my wife, Anne, her sorority sister, who she, she's friends with, Jamie Chung, uh, who is right now, uh, at least this, she was just in the first season of, um, <coughs> of uh, um, Lovecraft Country and she was in Gifted and now she's in This Is Us. I mean, Jamie's blowing up right now. It's incredible. And I love Genesis Rodriguez. 
I love Genesis Rodriguez. And so Jamie Chung and Genesis Rodriguez were a couple of voices. Anyway, I thought the movie was incredibly fun and charming and just had all sorts of character and heart and laughs. I thought it was great. I was really surprised that they never did do a sequel. Instead, they did some, some you know, animated TV show. It should have had a proper sequel. There was a lot of stuff they could have done with it, and I wish they did. All right. Dennis writes. Uh, let's see. Where is Dennis? Dennis writes. Hey, John, one of two. I saw you suggest Robert Downey Jr. Uh, as WandaVision's mystery cameo, and it made me think of Barf in Civil War. What if Tony built a larger version of it to help the Avengers deal with uh, PTSD, and it's located in Westview, and Wanda's powers corrupted it? I don't think that's the case. Personally, I think the WandaVision cameo might be Clark Gregg as Agent Coulson. That, nobody would care about that. I mean, I love Clark Gregg. I love Clark, Clark Gregg. But the appearance of somebody who is a very minor B-level character in the MCU uh, being the big Luke Skywalker equivalent cameo? No. just And I love Clark Gregg. But no. Uh, he's an MCU veteran and beloved by most fans. And I'd love to see him back in the main MCU community. Again, that would be that would be that would be a really cool appearance. Don't get me wrong. I would love to see Clark Gregg cameo in that, but I don't think Kevin Feige has any intention of bringing Clark. I think to Kevin Feige, Agent Colson is dead. And there's a whole story behind that and he didn't even want agents of shield to be made but that was at the time when marvel was still like kevin feige worked for ike perlmutter and ike perlmutter was in charge of that and i think there's a lot of bitter anyway that's another story for another time but no i i don't see how clark Gregg, who again agent colson was the very definition of a minor side b character and i love colson but let's call it what it is it's a minor side b character uh, in the MCU showing up in a cameo. And that's a Luke Skywalker showing up at the end of Mandalorian kind of thing. I, I, Hey, listen, doesn't mean he can't pop up, but I, I just can't see that being it. Think universe or think verse. I just can't see it. That being thing, uh, the thing, but I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Um, oh, I thought that was Dennis's second part of it. Oh, look at that. Okay, that wasn't. That was Thinkverse answering after Dennis. Okay, so Dennis ends with PTSD is located, uh, Wanda corrupts it, uh, and now her powers are going crazy, and the barf system keeps trying to get her to deal with her pain, and she keeps resetting it. You could also have RDJ as a hologram. I don't think that's going to be in there at all. I mean, it's not a bad theory. It's not a bad theory because of the whole holographic nation, uh, nature of barf. It's not a bad theory. But I don't see, th I think this is all Wanda doing it. You know, uh, Wanda's making all this happen. For example, when Wanda throws Monica through three sets of walls and then throws her out of Westview, Mo uh, Wanda then uses her powers to reconstruct the walls. Like that wasn't Barf making her think that was happening. She was actually doing that. So again, because of the whole fantasy nature of it, I think it's, Totally reasonable to consider maybe a barf mechanism, but I really do believe this is all Wanda. I don't think it has anything to do with Stark term with uh, Stark um, technology. I think this is all Wanda. Uh, I think this is going to end badly, and uh, and we will see. But yeah, I still think Tony Stark, in one degree or another, is a possibility. I really do because Tony Stark popping up 
would be that Luke Skywalker level kind of, oh my God, like I think that would that would qualify for that. Agent Coulson, not so much, but I think Tony Stark doing that, I think would. Am I saying it will be Tony Stark? No, I just think that is one of the possibilities. All right, thanks for writing that in, Dennis. Appreciate that, man. All right, next up. And who knows, maybe Barf get mad. Let's keep our eyes open for that. All right, James Argento writes, for the WandaVision cameo uh, to be on par with Luke, I think it will be uh, Fox's versions of Professor X and or Magneto, first versions. Both are strong enough and wise enough to contain and reason with Wanda. McKellen can get a send-off like what Stewart got with Logan. Yeah, listen, that's why I put Magneto out there, man. That's Listen, Kevin Feige, the big problem with it, of course, is that Kevin Feige has said, and he said right, he said three years ago when the Fox takeover got announced, no plans to use X-Men until my five-year plan. I've got five years planned out right now. He already had WandaVision planned out. I got a five-year plan, and then I will consider X-Men. And despite the fact that every new MCU property that comes out, all the fans say, this is the one the X-Men are coming. This is the one the X-Men are coming. Infinity War, X-Men are going to pop up. Endgame, the unsnapping causes mutations. The X-Men are going to show up. Everybody has said for every MCU movie that's come out since the announcement that this is where X-Men are coming, and they always don't, every single time. And I would still say it's impossible. But what would constitute a Luke Skywalker level cameo like him showing up in Mandalorian. How about Magneto? How about Charles Xavier rolling as everything is looking bleak you see a close-up shot of a, the wheel of a wheelchair, just a tight close-up shot of a wheel, just moving through the crowd. And a professor Charles Xavier goes up to Monica Rambo and says, I believe I can be of some assistance. Again, I'm not saying this is going to happen. But that would be a whole world watching going, oh my God, kind of thing like Luke Skywalker showing up in Mandalorian. And again, I, I still don't think that'll happen because Kevin Feige so far has stuck to his guns. Five years. But with her saying that, you, you even somebody like me has to acknowledge that the possibility exists. Somebody like me who's very much, nope, Kevin said it's going to be five years. I believe it's going to be five years. Even I got to say, you have to at least consider that if it's actually going to be a Luke Skywalker and Mandalorian level event, Magneto and Professor X certainly qualify for that. So I don't know. We'll wait and see, man. We will wait and see. All right. Next up, TH writes, the cameo will be Ben Affleck as Daredevil, 100%. Don't laugh. I still like that movie. I dare, and I know I'm totally in the minority. I am absolutely in the minority. But I still contend that if you take away that awful teeter-totter scene between Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner in Daredevil, if you take that scene out, that's a great movie. Not, not a top 10 greatest comic book movie of all time. But if it, you take out that horrible, 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 horrible sequence... And I say this movie isn't just good. I think it's great. I really like that Daredevil movie. And I'm unashamed to say it. I know that's not the popular thing. I know all that. I don't care. I think that Ben Affleck Daredevil movie is really great. Michael Clark Duncan in there as Kingpin. I thought he was a great Kingpin, by the way. Maybe not Vincent D'Onofrio level Kingpin, but I thought Michael Clark Duncan was a great Kingpin. I like that movie. I like that movie. Wouldn't that be something if Ben Affleck showed up as Daredevil? Dear heavens. That, that would make the internet blow up. You're absolutely right. That would make the internet blow up. All right. Alan writes, 
Hey, John and Rob, and Rob's not here right now. Uh, you mentioned people like Cap, Tony, Magneto, Charles Xavier showing up in WandaVision as that Luke Skywalker cameo, but you didn't mention Kang because nobody nobody knows who Kang is. It wouldn't create the same effect. Uh, this would be someone that we haven't seen and would not uh, break Fe Feige's five-year plan. True, it is somebody we have not seen, and true, it wouldn't break Kevin Feige's five-year plan promise. That's all true. But... I would venture to say 70% of the people watching WandaVision are casual fans and have never even heard of Kang the Conqueror, right? If you've got a whole chunk of people watching the show who've never even heard of that character, that can't be considered a Luke Skywalker level cameo. Now, you're right about your other criteria. It, it keeps the five-year plan thing intact. It is somebody we've never seen before. All that kind of, It checks off some of the boxes. You're absolutely right. But... Again, is Kang the Conqueror, who my mom has probably never even heard of. My mom's an avid viewer of the, the comic book movies. I bet you money she's never heard of Kang. Is that a Luke Skywalker level event that the whole world buzzes when it happens? I, I don't see it. I don't see it. But I think you're right. Those other checkboxes are checked off. So let's see what happens. Again, maybe Elizabeth Olsen was just being was just wrong saying that yes it is a luke skywalker level thing i mean maybe it's something small and in her head it's a luke skywalker level thing but the rest of us won't think it is but if let's go with what she said for now that it's for now for the sake of discussion it's going to be a luke skywalker level cameo kang doesn't fit that description to me to me that just i think he's counted out for that but you never know because you're right he does check off the other boxes all right next up frederico black writes Hey, John and Rob, watching your discussion on that potential cameo in WandaVision, putting a pin on Magneto, uh, which version may we see? Ian McKellen, Michael Fassbender, or uh, the new actor that may be playing the character moving forward? Could be none of the above. Could be absolutely none of the above. I mean, if they're saying it's some weird connection to a multiverse thing, it literally could be anybody. And it may not even, it, it, it doesn't have to be McKellen, doesn't have to be Fassbender. And by the way, whoever they get to do it, if he's in it at all, doesn't have to be somebody that they use moving forward. They can just say, oh, this was a Magneto from uh, world B171Q5 dash number sign four. And then the one they do use in their X-Men universe moving forward in a couple of years may be a completely different person, right? So it could be none of the above. And by the way, it's probably not Magneto, but... If it is Magneto, I would say it almost doesn't matter who the actor is. Now, yes, if it's Ian McKellen as Magneto, that would shake the world. But I think if any actor shows up and say, there's a gentleman here to see you. My name is Eric. And then some spoons start to float. I mean, people are going to freak the hell out, right? So with or without Ian McKellen, with or without Michael Fassbender, I think the world gets that. And whether it's James McAvoy or Patrick Stewart or somebody else entirely sitting in that X-Men wheelchair coming as Charles Xavier, it would make the internet break. It would make the internet break regardless of who it is. So not sure about that, Frederick. I mean, obviously, I would love to see it being Ian McKellen. I would love that, but I don't think it's going to happen. But it's still a theory. Let's see. All right, next up, Mischievous Gremlin writes, I think the people at S.W.O.R.D. have seen more episodes than we have. I think so, too. And I'm jealous. When S.W.O.R.D. finally recognizes Monica sitting on a bench, I don't think we saw that episode at all because it seems like Wanda and Agnes were going shopping somewhere. No, 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 no. I believe that that was in there. 
that was that was part of it. I mean, unless I'm completely remembering this wrong, I remember that camera shot, that scene was in that episode we watched. So these more episodes Mischievous Gremlin is talking about, I believe, and I think there's a lot of people who believe this too, when you listen to the conversations going on with Darcy and, and Jimmy and the rest of S.W.O.R.D., it seems to imply there are more episodes than what we've seen. Because we, the audience, have seen one episode per decade, right? What if there was like 10 episodes per decade? And we're only seeing the ones that we need to see. So I think that's what's been implied. Whether that's true or not, I'm not really sure, Mischievous Gremlin. But I'm sure that'll become a little bit more clear as more episodes come out. All right. Hoser writes. What's up, Hoser? Uh, writes in, what if WandaVision's sunrise, or surprise is to say, isn't a hero, but a villain? possible to rob's point what about uh to rob's point about the show being family what about james spader's ultron his manipulation resulted in her homeland's destruction and brother's death he was he was name dropped and a voiceover is covert true james spader can come in and do that i would raise the same question though about kang the conqueror ultron is a more well-known name amongst the general public because we actually had an avengers movie called age of ultron but would Ultron showing up actually be a Luke Skywalker level kind of thing? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, James, but uh, listen, I thought James Spader as the voice of Ultron was awesome. And you know what? The more I, Rob and I were talking about this too, not long ago. The more I watch Age of Ultron, the more I like it. The more I watch it, the more I like it. I, I think a lot of us, I don't know why, but I think a lot of us underrated it when we first talk is every time I, I watch it more and more, and it's not like I watch it every month, but the more I watch it, the more I actually appreciate it. Not as good as the first Avengers movie, but I, the more I appreciate it. But again, it comes down to that one problem. Ultron popping up is not a bad idea. I mean, Ultron's kind of a part of vision, maybe Ultron remanifesting or something like that. Maybe that's all possible. But again, is that is Ultron a Luke Skywalker showing up in Mandalorian type of event? I personally don't think so. I think it's a very, very narrow field of possibilities for that. I just don't think Ultron qualifies, but maybe that's what she meant. We'll find out. Thanks for that, Hoser. Next up, Cam K writes, uh, hey, John, love your content. Thank you so much, Cam. I uh, just want to put it out there. Mephisto is not the devil. The comics are very specific about that. No, but he's he's sometimes, we've said that before on the show. He's not literally Satan, but he is a demon. He is sometimes in the comics referred to as Satan. That is something they refer to him as. He's not the literal devil, no, but we've been clear about that. Anyway, the comics are very specific about that. He just likes people to think he is. Even the dimension he's from is not necessarily hell. Well, it's kind of implied, but I get your point way too close. Yeah, but then again, don't forget, comics are the comics, the MCU is the MCU, and they're two different things. What's to say, now I don't, right now, after only watching episode four, I still don't think Mephisto's involved. Could totally change my mind after seeing episode five, but for now. But what's to say that you couldn't have a character called Mephisto who is not necessarily a demon from a hell dimension. You change what he is. You say Mephisto is actually this. 
he's a guy, he's a normal guy with this power that he ended up getting. And he can do some of the things that are similar to Mephisto in the comics, but he doesn't necessarily have to be a demon from hell or anything like that. You could do that. Again, uh, you know, X-Men Days of Future Past, the movie is nothing like X-Men Days of Future Past, the comic story. Civil War, the movie, is very unlike, other than some thematic similarities, it's very unlike the comic story of Civil Civil War. They change these things all the time to suit. So, I mean, I don't think Mephisto's going to be there, but maybe it is Mephisto, but it's just a different iteration of Mephisto than what we've seen in the comics. They could totally do that. They could absolutely do that. Will they? Don't know. We'll find out soon enough. Thanks for that, Cam. Next up, Chris1529 writes, I agree with Rob and think the WandaVision cameo is Magneto, but do you think it will be a different actor than Ian McKellen? But being realistic, McKellen is 81, and if Magneto is going to be a part of the story for a while, uh, would they go with him? Well, again, I'll go back to what I was saying in the uh, previous question, which is uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be McKellen. And even if they do use McKellen, that doesn't have to be the Magneto they use for their X-Men universe a little bit later on. He might be a McKellen from, again, universe 17-BQ, you know, number sign, squiggly number, uh, at Twitter.net. I mean, it, it could be that. And then the Magneto they want to use for an ongoing X-Men series, if they even do use a Magneto for an ongoing X-Men series, could be a Magneto from somewhere totally else. All I know is it would be a massive kick if it was Ian McKellen. I I doubt it is. I doubt it's even going to be Magneto. But if it is Magneto, that's huge. And if it's Magneto and it's Ian McKellen playing Magneto, get out of here. Just get the hell out of here. That, that would be nuts. That would be completely nuts. But again... Uh, it wouldn't have to be connected to anything else. And and again, bottom line, I still don't think Magneto is even showing up. But if it does and it's Ian McKellen, that would be massive, Chris. That would be absolutely massive. All right, next up, Michael Bradley writes, Hello, John. Hello, Michael. Is it just me or did little things remind me of Ridley Scott's The Counselor a little bit? Yep. Uh, my hopes weren't as high for The Counselor. Like The Counselor looked really good to me, but it didn't look like Oscar to me. But it did look really good, speaking of Michael Fassbender, and it's just awful. Anyway, uh, the course, slow start, then continuing at a snail's pace, then the ending with an anticlimactic ending. Yeah, I, yeah, very similar. Again, I compare it more to Gangster Squad, but yeah, your comparison there is completely apt, Michael. I, I, again, I can't express how disappointed I was in that movie. That's really too bad because the director's a good director. You had three Academy Award winning actors, and other than Rami Malek, who's an amazing actor, but just... This was his bad day at the office. He was miscast, I think. Uh, Denzel was great. Jared Leto gave a great performance, but it doesn't matter if you give great performances if you don't have a good story to start with. And this was just weird and a really strange ending. And it's just, I thought it was, it was kind of painful to get through, Michael, to be honest with you. But yeah, The Counselor's not a bad comparison. Ooh, that one was bad. Oh, that one was bad. All right, Strange Marvel Theories. Uh, tipped in $20. Thank you, Strange Marvel Theories, for supporting our channel on that level. Really appreciate that, man. Um, either Keith David Riddick or Bill Nighy Underworld uh, might be coming as the big cameo in WandaVision as a narrator to WandaVision in the form of Uatu the Watcher. Uh, I doubt it. But Keith, first of all, Bill Nighy is amazing. Amazing. I loved him in Underworld, too, by the way. Uh, wasn't his character named Victor? 
I think he was Victor, right? I think that was him in that. And Keith David has just a marvelous, marvelous voice. I don't think they're going to go that meta. Uh, I don't think they're going to go that far into it and start having the watchers narrating. I don't think they're going to do that. But, I mean, I've, we had them kind of appear, you know, with the Stan Lee cameo, which was pretty sweet. Um, but boy, if they did, those are two tremendous voices to pick, man. Those are two tremendous voices to pick. I love Bill Nye. I, I mean, he can do anything, whether he's in Shaun of the Dead or again, whether he's in Underworld or whether he's in a Pirates of the Caribbean, you name it, put him in there. I'll watch him. The dude is fantastic. And, and like, yeah, you're right. Like when you think of the great voices in Hollywood, um, obviously you go James Earl Jones. Uh, to me, you also go to Jeremy Irons. Uh, another name you got to put up there right now is Jeffrey Wright. I love Jeffrey Wright's voice. Um, he's in Westworld. He was in Hunger Games. Uh, he's going to be Commissioner Gordon in the new Batman movie. He's got a killer voice too. But yeah, Keith David and Bill Nye, your names you also got to put up there, Strange Marvel. So I like your names. I like your picks, man. All right, next up, Captain Blue Pants writes, if the general public knew that the Avengers and government had the ability and knowledge to time, oh, this again, uh, had had uh, the ability and knowledge to time travel, then every time something catastrophic happens, people would lobby for them to go back and fix things. Imagine the eth ethical debates and power struggles. Remember, that is not how they say their time travel works. Remember, in the MCU, they say that their time travel doesn't do that. That's what they say at any rate. They say their time travel doesn't do that. So, okay. Fair enough, I suppose. So, I don't know. Like, you don't have to give details of, of, of military secrets. But again, I just, there's no way that the Captain America of the MCU, the Chris Evans Captain America, there is no way that he doesn't tell a grieving planet where everybody has lost multiple loved ones. What happened? Maybe he doesn't have to give every little detail about, you know, the location of this particular device or this particular machine. But listen, it's it's a big thing to understand and it's going to be hard to grasp, but I'm going to tell it to you like it is. There's an alien being known as Thanos who believes in, you know, wiping out half the life in the universe. There were elements that he acquired that allowed him to do that and that gave him the power to do it. We fought him. We tried to stop him. We were unable. And in one snap of his fingers, he wiped out half the life in the universe. And I just don't think there's any way that this Captain America doesn't tell people what happened to their loved ones. I just don't think there's any way. That doesn't have to mean you have to go into all these details, but I just don't think there is any. You'll never convince me that the Chris Evans Captain America of the MCU that we have seen through First Avenger, uh, Winter Soldier, Civil War, and in the Avengers movies, there's no way he keeps that from the people. There's no way he keeps that from the people, in my opinion, at any rate. All right, thanks for that, Captain Blue Pants. All right, Dwayne writes, um, let's see, have you watched the heavy spoiler prediction of WandaVision? He said the antagonist could be hiding in plain sight. Uh, explaining the biggest trick the devil ever pulled is convincing the world he doesn't exist. Uh, Mofisto. You probably meant Mephisto. Mofisto. Uh, mo money, mo problems, Mofisto. There we go. 
Um, I'm still not convinced of anything. By the way, anybody who has seen the heavy spoiler thing, remember, little glimpses you get in promotional pieces rarely work out to be what you expect them to be. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying I wouldn't put too much stock in it yet. That's all I'm saying, Dwayne. That's all I'm saying. All right. And Perkins, one of the great characters from Parks and Rec, uh, shares a first name with my wife, writes, I was a teen when 10 Things I Hate About You came out. My wife loves that movie, by the way. So I watched it with my niece who's 17. And I said to her, you know, that's the guy that plays the Joker in The Dark Knight. She was flabbergasted and said, oh, my God, the old Batman. Whoa, so cool. Me old. I know, right? When The Dark Knight celebrated what when did it celebrate its 10th anniversary i'm trying to pull it out here the dark knight when it celebrated its 10th anniversary and i know it's 2007 2008 but when was it like early summer was it fall july 18th 20 2008 i remember when the 10th anniversary of the dark knight hit this happens with a lot of movies, but there was something about the dark night when I said, you know, that, that, uh, this month marks the 10th anniversary of dark night. All of us are like, no, you, you can't be right. That you, that's gotta be a mistake. It's like what the fifth anniversary, maybe sixth. No, it was the 10th anniversary. It was the 10th. We're coming up on the 13th couple of months. We're coming up on the 13th anniversary of the dark night. To me, that's still recent, okay? To me, that is still recent. But I knew where this story was going, and when she said, yeah, the old Batman, Christopher Nolan's Batman, Christian Bale Batman, that's now that that old Batman movie. That's the old thing. Like, what? And like, yeah, it's, oh, oh. And I'm, I'm right with you. you. Old? What are you talking about? That's Christian Bale's Batman. That just happened, oh, almost 13 years ago. That's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Oh my God, Ann Perkins. Yeah. Sometimes these movie anniversaries, they just like really throw me for a loop. Anyway, thanks for sharing that story. All right. Next up, Jesse writes, quote of the day, John DeZevia, cut me a check, you assholes. Zevia Cola, sponsor me, you sons of bitches. More people drink your cola because of me than any other marketing campaign you've ever done. You jerks, sponsor me. I love Zevia Cola. All right, next up, uh, Cobra Kai never dies, writes, good morning, John. Uh, obviously, this came in earlier today. If I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. You probably answered this before, but I forget. So sorry for asking again. Why don't you use super chats in your live stream? Thanks for all that you do. Well, thank you for writing that in and asking. Yeah, so... In the show, there are two different ways. And you know, this this is a good this is a good opportunity for me to kind of explain um why we use tip questions, why we use super chats, and why sometimes we use tip questions instead of super chats. Why do we sometimes use super chats in YouTube and not? This is a good opportunity for me to kind of touch on that. So basically it's this. Um, I remember back in the day when I was with AMC and we had a part of the show where we, uh, first of all, you know, the main part of the show, the main part of the John campus show every day, our main topics are all taken from questions submitted by viewers and it's completely free, right? So let me bring this up. It's when 
Whenever you come across a big topic or issue or big story that you think we should make as a main topic on the show, uh, all you got to do is go to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you get there, there's a form, you fill it out and you hit submit and it's totally free. You don't have to tip anything to send in those questions. And then what we do is we use those questions as the basis for what our main topics are going to be. We draw from those emails that come in, those submitted forms, and we make those our main topics. Now, as you can imagine, uh, I get anywhere every day between one and 200 submissions every day. We only do three, four, or five main topics. That means out of 100 to 200 messages that get sent in per day, only about three, four, or five of them are going to get picked. That's a relatively small percentage. That's anywhere from 2.5% to 5% of the questions that get sent in. I mean, it's just the way it is, right? We only had do like four, three, four, or five main topics, and our main topics get selected from our viewers who send that in, and it's totally free in that. But what happened was, inevitably, every day, I would get a lot of hate mail. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling back the curtain and letting you guys in on this a little bit, but what would happen is every single day we would get a lot of hate mail and it was usually surrounding the fact that some version of this, why don't you like me? I've sent you like 30 different potential topics and questions and emails to use on the show and you've never picked mine. Why do you hate me? Screw you. You guys suck. You know, right? Because every day we could only choose between two and a half to 5% of the questions that got sent in. That's all we had time for. So um, we would get a lot of people, a lot of people get upset. A lot of people get angry that their questions never got picked and all those types of things. So then we started doing another part of the show where we would take live questions via Twitter. The problem then became that the live questions that would come in on Twitter, our, our Twitter feeds, as soon as we opened up, the Twitter questions would be flying and we would literally get thousands, like I'm not kidding, thousands of tweets would get sent into the hashtag. We said, send in a question and use the hashtag, you know, AMC movie talk, yay, or whatever our hashtag was at the time, right? Literally thousands. And the, the, the things would just scroll like crazy. And we would maybe have time for 10, 15, or 20 of the questions, which again meant only about 2 to 5% of the questions that get getting sent in were getting answered, which led to more anger and more frustration and people getting upset that they would send in a question every single day for a year and their questions never got answered. It also created a problem that when all these questions were coming in, like we were having struggles trying to find a good question to ask. Right. And you'd have to stop and kind of go through and try to pick out the next question. And it was a bit of a mess. So we had angry viewers, angry people, uh, an overabundance of questions getting come in that we never had a dream of getting, getting around to answering. And it was a, it was a bad situation. It was a bad situation. Then what happened again, like I'm really pulling back the curtains and letting you guys see what the mechanics here are. Then YouTube introduced super chats where instead of just sending in a comment on the live video, they could click the dollar sign, include a tip 
or include a super chat donation and their message would get its own colored box and even stick at the top for a little while. And the more, the way YouTube set it up was the more you donated the different color, like if you donated like, uh, I think one or $2, your message was blue. If you donated like $5, it was green. If you donated like 10 to $20, it was like yellow. If you donated more than that it became orange. And the more you donated, the longer the message they let you type in and the longer the thing would stay and all that kind of stuff. So what started happening was people during my show started sending in super chats, right? And my thought at the time was, well, listen, if somebody's actually going to financially, this was my thought process at the time. If somebody's actually financially going to support our channel, I'm going to give their question priority. I, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Like everybody's sending in hundreds of questions, hundreds of questions, and I got to pick which ones to use. Hey, somebody tipped in five bucks with their questions. Like, oh man, if you're going to support the show and help this show exist by tipping in five bucks, your question gets asked first. I, and I think that's fair. So what started happening was I would take the three or four questions that would come in. And then once I got through the three or four questions that people use super chat for, I would go on and answer as many of the other questions that I could. Again, only got around to a small percentage. Then what started happening is more people caught on to the super chatting and more and more people started to send in their questions with a super chat. And so then I gave them priority. But again, I would get through theirs first since they're supporting the show. I got through their questions first and then I would spend the remaining time taking the, the random questions that got sent in. Well, what eventually started to happen was there were more super chat questions coming in than we had time for in the show. So there was no longer any time left for the, the random questions that just got sent in. And what I saw there was an opportunity to kill a couple of birds with one stone. Number one, it was a great way for the channel to generate revenue and to survive. It was an excellent way to generate. I mean, listen, we, we it's not free to do this show. I mean, I, I, put in 12, 14, 16, sometimes 18 hours a day on this channel and, you know, researching and writing scripts and the, and the, the money we spend on equipment and the money we spend on facilities and the money we spend on, on people and staffing and stuff like that. It adds up. And these things became a great revenue resource for us to finance all of that. The other big advantage was if somebody really wanted to get a question or comment on the show, they now had an automatic way of ensuring as long as they weren't asking something trollish or ridiculous, but they now had a way of, of ensuring that their question gets asked. Unlike before where we would get like thousands of tweets sent in for a show, and we could only pick 10 or 20 and you never knew whether your question was ever going to get on. Now there was a mechanism in place that if you really want to ask this question or make this observation on the show, you can. And it guarantees, maybe it would have to be in a companion video later, like this one, but it would guarantee that your question got answered, provided it was a reasonable question and not trollish or anything like that. Um, and it allowed us the opportunity to do that. And so what started happening was, remember I was telling you like every single day we were getting hate email and I was getting hate messages. How come you never pick my questions? Oh, you picked that stupid question today. My question was much better than that question. Why do you, and I got those every day. Guess what? As soon as we introduced, as soon as we started using the super chat feature, those questions stopped coming 
because everybody knew if they really want their question on, there was a way to do it. And it meant I wasn't getting inundated with thousands of messages a day. And I had to be the one to pick and choose which ones got on and which ones didn't. I still have to do that for our main topics. I still have to do that for our main topics that go to the johncabishow.com slash contact. Yes, I still have to scroll through, read all of them, pick which, which ones get picked. But I don't have to do that during the live show with thousands of messages flying by. Now, people only send in the questions if they really want to and if they really want to send something in or if they really want to support the channel. So there's that. All that is set up to answer your question, which is, why don't we use the super chats on the John Campia show now instead of the tip link? Here's why. There's two reasons. Reason number one is this. YouTube keeps uh, 30, I think it's 33%, basically a third. YouTube keeps a third of whatever money you send in to support the show on Super Chat. So if you, for argument's sake, sent in a tip of $21, seven of those dollars goes to YouTube, 14 goes to the channel. Whereas using the tip link that processes through PayPal instead, I think that's 5% that PayPal keeps. Five, six, seven. Anyway, it's much, much less. So a lot more of the money that you guys send in to support the show actually goes to supporting the show instead of going to YouTube. The second reason we use the tip link is because of this. I needed a way to organize out which questions are getting sent in for our special spoiler reviews, like when we did when we do Mandalorian spoiler reviews and when we do uh, WandaVision spoiler reviews. How do we make sure that we can separate out which questions are meant for the WandaVision spoiler reviews and which, which questions are being sent in to be asked during the John Campia show? Because if they're all just coming in all at once, then I won't know how to organize, well, which question is meant for which show. So what we've done is, since it gives us two different avenues, now we use the tip link only for the John Campia show. And then when we're doing the spoiler discussion review, even though YouTube takes a bigger cut, it's worth it to us to keep it organized. So when we do the spoiler reviews, then we use super chats. We open up the super chats and we ask, answer all the questions that come in via super chat on YouTube instead of the tip link. So the tip link questions for the John campus show, super chat questions, which that's when we turn on super chat for special things like special spoiler reviews, whether it's for TV or movies or things like that. Or when I'm doing play in chats, we'll turn on the super chat feature for play in chats. So just as a way for us to keep it organized. Anyway, that was a very, very long explanation uh, to your question, but you know, it, it's, it's a big thing around our channel and I wanted to pull back the curtain, give you a little bit of insight into that. Um, and as a matter of fact, you know what, let me just see if I can bring this up here uh, quick. Um, I actually did a blog post on this a while ago and, uh, I'll see if I can remember to put a link to this in the description below, but I actually wrote out a full, a blog post on this a while ago called, why do I use super chats in my shows? And I basically do the whole big rundown about that whole thing. And so what I'll do is if you're interested in a little bit more in depth on that, I will include a link uh, in the description of this video so you can click and go see that blog post that I did that lays it out. Anyway, uh, yeah, a little bit of behind the scenes stuff there. Sorry if that bored most of you there, but I thought it was something worth addressing. That was something worth addressing.
Anyway, thanks for that in Cobra Kai. And I hope that gives a little bit of clarity for how that one function of the show works and, and what the philosophy behind it was and why it works and uh, why we continue to do it. Thanks for that, man. All right. Uh, just have time for a couple more quick ones here, and then we'll wrap it up until tomorrow. And we're almost through all the questions that came in on the show for today. Uh, Sergeant Ward writes, hey, John. Apparently, Johnny Depp is getting an appeal in March. Do you think this is going to make studios second-guess themselves about firing Depp and hiring Amber Heard? What are your thoughts? Nope. I don't think it's going to change anything. I mean, you got the right to appeal. It doesn't mean he's going to... He's probably going to lose the appeal. Actually, I'll tell you right now. He's going to lose the appeal. And now, if... If he wins the appeal, which he's not... He actually suffered another defeat in an American court recently, but we'll talk about that another time. If he wins the appeal, that becomes another issue. That becomes another issue. Uh, lots, it's, it's not hard to get an appeal. Being able to get an appeal is one thing, but it doesn't actually do anything. Will he win the appeal or will he lose the appeal? I think it's a, probably a 99% chance that he loses the appeal which then changes nothing. But in the event that he wins that appeal, it'll cause a lot of questions. It'll cause a lot of questions. But that's a huge if, and I don't see it happening. Uh, I mean, maybe it will. And if it does, it's going to have to cause a lot of reexamination of a lot of things. Absolutely. But I don't see him winning this appeal. He's He is most likely going to lose it. So... There's that, but let's see what happens. Let's see what happens, and then we'll we'll take it from there. It's almost kind of pointless to speculate too much at this point, which is what I just did, but it's kind of pointless to speculate at this point, uh, see what happens. But uh, it, getting an appeal means nothing. You have to win the appeal. And is he going to win the appeal? We'll wait and see. I highly doubt it, but we will wait and see. All right, next up. Uh, Kirky Novak writes, Long shot, but I wish the people of Westview that uh, take... Wanda down slash convince her to stop. Uh, let me try this again. Long shot, but I wish it's the people. I wish it's the people of Westview that take Wanda down or convince her to stop. What a get out level of horror show she turned their lives into. Uh, you think Wanda has it hard? Try becoming a literal puppet and we need a fundraiser for their therapy. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I don't know if their lives have been, especially if, if she doesn't harm them. I don't know if you can say their lives for a couple of days have been harder than what Wanda Maximoff's life has been up to that point, but you're right. I mean, the people, and in the new trailer, in the teaser, you see that woman hanging her laundry and there there's a tear coming out of her eye. I mean, these people are prisoners, but I don't think it's going to be the people of Westview that talk her down. I think it's going to be a larger scale thing. Whether it's a Magneto, whether it's Hawkeye, I still think there's a high chance Hawkeye comes in there. I still think there's a very high chance Hawkeye shows up. I don't think Hawkeye is the Avengers level or is the Luke Skywalker level cameo, but I wouldn't be surprised if Hawkeye shows up there. But I mean, it would also, what if Ag uh, Agnes really is just a person who lives there and she kind of becomes connected to Wanda and Agnes is the one who talks her down? But then again, maybe Agnes is Agatha Harkness. Who knows? But if she's just an average citizen, maybe she's the one who ultimately talks her down. Maybe. But I, I, I still think it's probably going to be Vision at all. Or she loses. Oh, I don't know. So many different ways this, way, this thing could go, Kirky. So many different ways this thing could go. Okay, next up. Welsh Dynamo writes, 
I was watching the Heartbreak Kid. My wife loves that movie. Miranda. My wife loves that movie. Uh, Ben Stiller uh, the other day. And I realized that I'd forgotten that Jerry Stiller had passed away. I'd totally forgotten about that, too. Fell in love with him when I used to watch King of Queens. So charming and such a funny guy. Hope you're having a great day, John. And the great thing about the Heartbreak Kid was that he played his son's father. He got to play in that movie with Ben Stiller. Of course, he was Ben Stiller's dad. Uh, and they were, uh, they were really funny. You know, I, I liked him a lot. Obviously when I think of him, I think of Seinfeld. I didn't watch a lot of King of Queens to be honest with you, but I think of Seinfeld and obviously <laughs> serenity. Now I loved him and Seinfeld so much. I mean, I know people of an older generation might remember for, like his career was long and successful, both of Ben Stiller's parents. But when I think of him, I think of Seinfeld. And yeah, it is really cool. And by the way, Heartbreak Kid, it didn't get great reviews. And for whatever reason, it's not like huge amounts of audiences loved it either. It is a very charming, funny little film. And for whatever reason, my wife loves it. I mean, every, whenever she hears somebody say the, a name, like she reads the name Miranda, I know what's about to happen. My wife's about to go, Miranda, because <laughs> the way they say it in the show, of course, or in the movie. But yeah, I like the Heartbreak Kid. Thanks for sharing that, Welsh. All right, next up. Oh, there was a part two to Kirky. Uh, Kirky writes, also, did you notice that Vision is already a zombie before Wanda looks at him? Uh, he's dead in the moment he enters the room. If uh, you zoom in, you can clearly see that. I think his, this proves it proves nothing. I think this proves it's not in Wanda's head. Uh, she's got his corpse. Love your show. If that were the case, and somebody else wrote that in before, if that were the case, then we would see him as a zombie when he was outside talking to Agnes. And yet we don't. Right. We don't. When he's away from Wanda at the neighborhood watch meeting at the library, we would see him as a corpse, but we don't. Outside the door, he looked perfectly normal to us. But when she's about to turn around and look at him, that's when we see what she's about to see. So, no, I, I disagree. And again, ask me after episode five. I'm not totally invested in this. My theory right now is like, no, that is not that is not vision's animated corpse but i only say that after watching four episodes ask me again after episode five maybe my mind changed i can totally have my mind change on this we're not even halfway through this season yet we're not even halfway through the season yet but no i don't think that proved it at all i think that was just a visual technique i don't think it proves anything i really don't think that's his animated reanimated corpse i don't think that's what she i don't think i literally don't think she had sex with with because uh, she had sex with vision a little bit earlier i think it was in episode two the beginning of episode two i don't think she was having sex with her lover's corpse man that gets dark again i'm not judging i'm not judging her but i don't think that's the case but we will find out again episode five maybe my whole perception of that all changes completely all right john t writes hey hey, hey john do you think it's a possibility that loki is the one who shows up at the end of wandavision possibility sure probability no um remember paul bentley suggested the surprise actor is one he hasn't uh shared scenes with that's ten thousand actors that that qualifies as ten thousand actors out there uh this would also tie the disney shows together cheers yeah i don't think they're needing any show remember wandavision is going to tie into spider-man 3 which is then going to tie into dr strange 2 that's what kevin feige laid out uh, there is no indication of any connection with Loki or or anything like that. So, and also, is Loki 
who is currently already a character in the MCU, has his own show coming up. Is Loki going to be some big shock Luke Skywalker, you know, cameo at that point? Somebody who's already and currently a regular in the MCU? I don't think so. And again, I just don't see there being any connection uh, between that. And listen, I love Tom Hiddleston and I love him in the Loki thing. I would I would get a big kick out of seeing Loki pop up in there. But since there's never been any indication at all of any tie-ins between the WandaVision show and the Loki show, since we know WandaVision actually does tie into and is connected to Spider-Man 3, um, and since I think a Loki popping up who's a current regular member, roster member in the MCU, he isn't a Luke Skywalker kind of shock cameo. So for all those reasons, I don't think it's that. Never know. Maybe it will be. And I will remember you sending that in if it is. But for now, I'm guessing it's probably not. That's just kind of my take on it for now. All right. Next up, Jesse from the Long Beach writes, hey, John, what if it turns out that all the people that came back from the blip uh, turned out to have some kind of mutation that affects people in different ways to various extremes could be how Monica gets her powers and the MCU intros idea of mutants. They could accept this main thing. This was all done and written out long before Kevin Feige knew they were getting Fox and the X-Men. This was, that wasn't part of his plan. Not to mention that would be suggesting that half the population of the planet have now the mutant gene, have gene X, the X gene that, that, you know, could manifest itself in a very small, tiny mutation or a very big, grand, super powerful mutation. And that would mean half the population has that. I, I don't think they're going in that direction. And again, it's just it just seems way outside of what he's doing. Like remember, this is very similar because what you're writing here, Jesse, is very, very similar to what a lot of people said about Infinity War, <clears throat> you know, uh, and Endgame and, and, and things before that. And that's not the way it went. So it just, it's false so far. It means, it would mean that Kevin Feige so radically deviated from his plan, not to mention if that's the way they do it, you can forget about Magneto and Professor Charles Xavier and all that kind of stuff. The whole point of those characters is that those guys have been mutants for a long time. They were once best friends a long time ago. As the age, they developed different philosophies and different mentalities about, they both wanted what was best for mutants. Charles Xavier thought what was best for mutants and the best way to keep mutants safe and in the world is to develop an understanding with the rest of humanity and living together. Whereas Eric believed that the best thing for mutants, the best way to, to ensure their survival is to dominate human beings and become the dominant species on the planet. You have to take, if the snap just did that, you have to take all of that history of what the X-Men is and are, and you have to throw it all away. It means no Magneto. It means no Professor X. It means none of that history. And that would be, that would be a shame. That would be a horrible, horrible shame uh, if they did that. And uh, I, I certainly hope they don't. I hope they don't. I hope Kevin Feige finds a better way to do it that still maintains the integrity of what that core main story of what the entire X-Men thing is. And it's a story of Charles Xavier and Eric, two friends, two mutants, who developed diverging philosophies about how to ensure the safety of fellow mutants, one through understanding, one through domination. And it is, as Stan Lee once himself described, they are a representation of Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. 
and different different philosophies were represented there. Stan Lee talked about that before. And to take that core essential heartbeat of what X-Men are all about and throw it away just to have some last minute thing, you know, maybe in WandaVision we can kind of do this or maybe with the unsnapping we can do that when that was never a part of Kevin Feige's plan. Again, Kevin Feige can change his mind. Maybe this is what Kevin Feige does. But because it would require throwing away all that core essential DNA of what the X-Men is, the core mythology of what the X-Men story is kind of based on, and having to throw that all away, I, I think that would be really unfortunate. I don't have any better ideas. Let's just be clear. I don't have any better ideas. But to me, that would be a, a real shame if it did go that way. That's just kind of my thoughts on that. All right. Last one we'll take today, and then I think we're all caught up on all the questions that came in before the end of the show today. Uh, Double B Studios writes in, congrats on your new home. Thank you so much for that, Double B Studios. And here's a theory. What if Wanda somehow snatched Vision from an alternate universe, causing multiverse of madness? Uh, this Y Vision is trying to figure all of it out because this timeline Vision is from 2012. No Thanos Vision Stone. Uh... It's possible, but I don't know that Wanda has the ability to just go and travel in between all those different dimensions. Maybe she finds a way. I mean, it's it's possible, I guess, but it seems unlikely. You know what? I'll say this about your theory, Double Crit. It checks a lot of the boxes, though. Like, if you want to say that's the way this vision is here. Now, remember, there can be a lot of theories that do check off a lot of the boxes. It doesn't necessarily mean that theory is correct. But your theory does check a lot of the boxes. You know, if Wanda did that, he would be confused. He wouldn't know what's going on. She keeps controlling and manipulating him by rewinding whenever he starts to catch on that something's weird. But then again, if he was just a, a, another vision from another dimension, wouldn't he immediately pop in? It's like, wait a second. Why are we in a 1950s sitcom, lady? What 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 is going on here? Like, it would be questioning from the exact moment. But again, a lot of the other checkboxes, I don't know. It's an interesting theory, Double Crit, or Double B. It's an interesting theory. Let's keep our eyes on it. Let's see what transpires in episode five. Anyway, guys, that will do it for this installment of the companion video. Thank you so much, guys, to all of you who sent in these questions. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did. And all of us here involved with the YouTube channel, thank you guys very, very much for that. Now, there are still other questions that have been sent in since the show. Uh, questions that got lined up, like from Charlie and Willow and about uh, about WandaVision cameo. We are going to start off tomorrow's show with your questions. Once we get to the live questions part of the show, we will start off with your questions and get rolling from there. Guys, don't forget the John Campus Show does return again tomorrow. Please make sure you come back and join us. And guys, also, please do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. That'll do it for me for now, guys. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye.